0: What up, world? Pass first, point guard, and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is a special delivery mailbag episode, spillover from our Mailbag Monday weekly mailbag segment, answering listener submitted questions all episode long. Mailbag Monday just got too big, y'all. We had to make a second mailbag, and luckily I have smart listeners like t- tip PDX at tip PDX on Twitter, who named this episode special delivery. We're going to do these each week. Mailbags are fun. Y'all enjoy them. I enjoy them. So we're going to just do two each week. And the second one's going to be called special delivery. If you want to get involved, it's the same deal as, as mailbag Monday tweet at me at Mike G rich helps. If you tag it as mailbag or follow up to say, Hey, this is a mailbag question because uh, otherwise you might, I think maybe you're just asking me a question on Twitter if you're not a Twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet, you can email the show locked on Blazers pod as email address. Uh, the special delivery is not going to be on a on a standard day. It's going to depend on when I get interviews each week and when the games are and sort of my recording schedule. Mailbag Mondays stay the same. Record it Monday night, post on Tuesdays, but a second mailbag will be coming later in the week from here until the fateful day when we don't quite have enough mailbag questions. But I don't believe that's going to happen because you all have been very enthusiastic with sending them in. So, without further ado, let's get it started on this special delivery mailbag episode. First question comes from Kenny Pruitt, at Kenny Pruitt on Twitter, who asks, If we turn this NBA season into a movie, is there anybody, is there an obviously better storyline than the Blazers' championship? Overcoming injuries, first championship in 40 plus years, mellow swan song, dame's loyalty rewarded. Seems cinematic, but I'm sure I'm biased. So... This comes on the heels of the Blazers winning six consecutive games. And a lot of them delivered by Damian Lillard's heroics. Back-to-back, just absolute Dame time classics. To the point where Damian Lillard is no longer like a guy who should be mentioned among the MVP candidates. It is criminal if he's not one of your top five MVP candidates candidates right now. Like if, if you're, if you are talking about the most valuable players in the league and you don't mention Damian Lillard, you aren't talking about the most valuable players in the league. So that's kind of the stage where we're at for this question, Kenny. When you asked it, uh, Dame hadn't quite donned the cape so dramatically. Uh, so my sort of instincts were to be like, you know, despite my personal preferences for going against the grain and being less mainstream America loves America loves remakes. They love familiarities. They love stars. So, uh, the sort of best movie is always going to be LeBron James and the Lakers, right? Doing it again. They did it again. I mean, remember, remember how much people loved the six part documentary about Michael Jordan win the damn championship every year. But since then Dame has changed my mind because he's just been so damn fun. I mean, this is just, he's, he is playing on a level that is—it's just—he's a savant. I mean, he's just—he's—he—it's really brilliant basketball. And the supporting cast has been right there with him. Gary Trent Jr. has been really good. Carmelo Anthony's had his really nice moments. Anthony Simons is showing glimpses. Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. all of a sudden look like u- the useful role players that they were signed here to be. They're really, particularly Robert Covington, seems to be really settling into just being like a a a star in his role Ennis his continues to post about dictator Erdogan and grab every single rebound. So I'm with you. This is, this is the movie. If I'm watching a movie, this is the movie. Apologies to those listening in Salt Lake city. There's gotta be one of you. Uh, the, the jazz might make a fun film too, but there is no leading man as compelling and uh, as Damien Lord And there is no sort of the, the, the underlying parts of this movie that you've laid out here is the injuries and the first championships in 77 and all these things and mellow late career mellow. Like it, this is, this is a fantastic film. Uh, hopefully movie theaters will be up and running when it comes out. Cause I'd love, I'd love to see it on the big screen. And you know what, Kenny, it's okay to be biased. It's okay. You like what you like. That's, that's not my rule, but it's one I've, adopt it and try to live by you like what you like kenny so if you like the blazers and you want to see the film they're giving you plenty of reasons to like it next question comes from gabe who asks when nurkic and cj come back what do you think the rotation will look like it's crazy seeing rodney hood and azir little play well but having their inconsistency mainly injury injury related barely allows them on the court even with, with those guys out Also, after seeing this great extended run by Gary Trent Jr., do you think it's made it more likely that we'll, all caps, be unable to bring him back next year, especially since he may want a chance at a larger role, a la Seth Curry leaving? So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, Gabe. Let me work work through it with you. I do not think there will be a significant change in the rotation beyond the obvious. Like, Amphrey Simons is going to play less, and... I think Gary Trent Jr. is going to play less even though he really shouldn't uh, when when CJ comes back. and this Cantor's playing about 30 minutes a night right now, just north of 30 minutes a night without Nurkic in the lineup. He's going to be back down at 25, 24, 25. They're going to just split those minutes, just split them right down the middle. Uh, Cantor's playing too well and Nurk was too inconsistent and he's still going to be finding his wind to say Nurk is a 33-minute-a-night guy and Cantor's playing 15. It's not how it's going to work. Um, other than that, like... You know, Harry Giles doesn't play, the the kind of obvious thing. Uh, And then there'll be some tough decisions, like every night either Rodney Hood or uh, Nazir Little will not be able to play probably just because there won't be enough minutes to go around. I'm a Hood guy, obviously I'm a Carolina guy, so I'm a Nazir Little guy, but I mean neither of those dudes. Nazir Little has has these moments where you're like he should play more, but he's he's not super consistent yet. Uh he has flashes where you you realize he could be really helpful. So I don't think it's really damning to to say, you know, those dudes can't play. I don't think that like really really changes the sort of Blazers outlook or anything like that. But um that is sort of that's the decision that's going to have to be made maybe you're thinking I'm going to throw Carmelo Anthony in there, but I do not anticipate Carmelo Anthony playing much less while Terry Stotts is the coach and Neil Olshea is the GM. Like he's just, he's going to play 18 to 25 minutes a night. And some of those nights is that 25 is going to be way, way, way too many. And some nights that's going to be like, man, Melo played well. I'm glad he's on the roster. What a fun story on the Gary front. Um, the Blazers can pay him whatever he wants. They have his, they have his bird rights. He's a restricted free agent. Um, It's just about what the, what the, what ownership is willing to shell out tax wise and what Neil Olshay thinks is worth locking up into three players. I've talked about this before. It's the big question is, can Gary play next to Damon CJ in high leverage games? Because if he can, then yes, you sign him back. He's great. He has a skill set that everyone wants and he's just, he's getting better. I mean, he's just, he's just an absolute ace from the outside and a really competitive defender and he does other little hustle things. But if he's 6'4", and the other two dudes are also 6'4", how good of a defense can you put together? And if you need Gary Trent to be an ace defender on the wing and next to Damon CJ, is he big enough to do that? Or do you need the length of guys like Derek Jones Jr. Or Robert Covington? I kind of think that's what you need. And I think that's the cap on Gary Trent's uh, salary here. Like, or the Blazers sort of, how much money they'd be willing to pay him is that, length matters size matters it's um as a short person who played a lot of basketball in his life uh i was being small was always a detriment to my to to me getting on the court and not that gary trent jr is like small he's certainly the biggest of those of the trio but when you're building a team with damon cj you have to um compensate for that in other spots and so gary gary's size or lack thereof fits into the the calculation because he's better guarding ones and twos. But if he plays with those guys, he's going to be asked to guard threes and fours. Like that's just how it works. So I don't think it's like, maybe he wants a larger role. And I think I forget which mailbag it was, but someone who said like, basically I think he's going to be a Laker and, uh, that's, you know, clutch sports or whatever they run the Lakers. But, uh, I don't know if he's going to be a Laker, but there's it, it. doesn't seem that crazy unlikely that Gary Trent Jr. pulls not a Seth Curry, but a Jeremy Grant, and he says, "I just want a bigger, a bigger slice of the pie, and I want more. I want the ball in my hands more. I want a bigger role in the offense. I want all these things." So um, I think there's a couple things working sort of against Gary's future with the Blazers, but he's really good, and if I'm them, I pay to have him back because. You want to maximize your talent, and it's hard for me to believe that if they don't choose to bring him back, that they replace him with an equally effective part. One thing that has rang true during the Blazers' six-game winning streak is that there is a sense of true joy that rings through the team. Uh, the guys on the bench are clearly enjoying it, and Damian Lillard has sort of—he's brought everyone along with him for the ride. And I think that has led to this sort of collective joy and replaced a certain early season anxiousness. And that is why I'm giving Damian Lillard the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week award. That's right. The Ultra Player of the Week goes to Damian Lillard, the NBA's leading clutch scorer. Coming into the game against the New Orleans Hornets, Damian Lillard, was shooting 60% from the floor during clutch minutes, 53.3% from three, and 100% from the free throw line. And all he did was get better, delivering a win late against the against the Pelicans. A go-ahead and one layup with 16.3 seconds left. The Blazers held on in the final 16 seconds. And Damian Lower did, did what he does delivers joy in the form of another Blazers win. That's why he's the ultra player of the week. Look, ultra wants you to know that it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And if you're not enjoying what the Blazers are doing right now, you're wild. This is as fun as they've been in. Well, as fun as they've been since they went to Western conference finals in 2019. But you know, we're talking nearly a full year removed from as, from as fun as that run was joy creates success Damian Lillard creates joy. Success seems to follow. That's why he's our ultra player of the week. I've been harping on in this podcast, if you're if you're a regular listener, of clinging tightly to your joy. And that was when the Blazers were struggling a little bit. And I was just trying to remind us all to sort of uh in the moments when, when the team is struggling, if they have a good game, like uh, you know, Dame hitting a game winner to be the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. To cling tightly to it. But now, he's given you more joy on a regular basis. You should still cling very tightly to it, even if it is slightly more abundant than it once was. Alright, let's come back in the second segment and answer more of your questions of this special delivery mailbag episode. Locked On Blazers, we got you covered for all things Portland basketball. You don't have to worry about that, but you might be worried about where you get the rest of your sports news. Well, don't fret because the good folks at Locked On Podcast Network got you covered there as well with the new Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski. It's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you already get podcasts. All right, let's keep it rolling with this special delivery mailbag episode. This next question comes from Jesse. Jesse asks, do you see any current trends sticking whenever they they get fully healthy? Jesse not using a collective pronoun going against the grain with the pronoun they here. Jesse, I love you switching it up. Great work. Jesse continues. For example, any more or less minutes for Gary, Cantor, or Mello, who have been playing well the last couple games? Do you see any lineup changes? Do you think we will immediately be better, or we need some time to adjust? Thoughts on the following lineups, and could there be a time... Any of these could happen or be useful. So Jesse, I kind of talked about uh, the changes in the rotation in the first segment. So I'm going to skip over that now. It's why I wanted to. Uh, it's why I ordered the questions the way I did because I kind of I I kind of touched on the most of this first part of the question. But what Jesse sent over was a bunch of ideas for kind of uh, unique Blazers lineups, looks we haven't seen. So here's a couple ideas from Jesse. First one is what Jesse is calling Golden State 2.0. Dame, C.J. Gary Trent Jr., Rodney Hood and Robert Covington or Carmelo Anthony. The idea is abandon D and become the three-point juggernaut Golden State wishes they could be. Yeah, I think the the three-point juggernaut this year is the Jazz, and they play a traditional center, so um, you can do it without five dudes who shoot. Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, the Blazers go small already. Uh, They've been doing it a bunch. I think it's one of the best things about uh, this run, this stretch, is that they've been... uh, Willingly going small with Robert Covington playing center, and he's been pretty good at it. He's blocked nine shots in his last two games. Excuse me, ten shots in his last two games. Like he's just been, he had you know, six blocks against OKC and four against New Orleans. He's, um, he's a good weak side defender. He's not a, he's not super big. The Blazers got hurt a little bit on the glass, but um, he can he can defend on the weak side. So, I think some version of Dame C.J. Gary, Derek Jones, and Rocco or Game C.J. Dame, CJ, Gary, Melo, and Rocco is totally, um, totally in the cards. I don't see hood playing power forward with that group for a couple reasons. One, he just hasn't shot the ball well enough. Um, he just hasn't been good enough on offense to offset his lack of defense. And he's been really bad on defense. Uh, Ronnie just hasn't gotten back. I mean, he suffered or sustained, uh, uh, the most serious injury you can as an NBA basketball player, and, um, he just, he's not back to what he once what he was before the injury. He might get there, uh, you know, maybe towards the end of the season, he continues to sort of round himself there, but right now he's, he's just, he's not shooting the ball well enough and he's not good enough on defen- uh, defensively to replace, you know, even Mello at that spot. So yeah, Mello or Derek Jones Jr. Dame, CJ, Gary, Mello and Rocco is a totally reasonable lineup. You can sub Derek Jones Jr. In for Mello and it works fine. Next one from Jesse is the best player off the bench which is a really creative one. It's CJ, Gary, Rodney hood, Derek Jones, Jr. And Cantor as your starting group. And then your second group is Dame, Simons, Rocco, Mello, and Nurk. Jesse adds that it's never going to happen, but the idea is to hope CJ can pass like last year without Dame and resume his scoring from this year. Cantor and Mello isn't a thing. Um, Nurk and Dame still is the second unit isn't as ISO heavy and what the second you could guard what second you could guard a fresh dame I'm pretty sure something similar was said before and you shot it down pretty quick and to that I say fair enough hey Jesse thanks for listening and knowing that sometimes the ideas that are sent in to me I immediately hate I kind of immediately hate this one too um I get I I get what you're going for uh I do like the creativity I do like the idea of splitting up cantor and mellows minutes that's to me, that's a, a really important thing that uh to his credit, to his credit, Terry has gone away from that. He has gone smaller in more of those minutes. Now he's paired Mello with uh Harry Giles a bunch, not a good defensive group, but what are you gonna do? Sometimes the players are the players. You just have bad, bad defensive personnel with the second unit. Um yeah, I, I obviously like you need to start Dame and play him 38. 36 to 38 minutes a night. So I'm not going to co-sign on this, but um, I do like the creativity. I like the ingenuity. Um, I totally see what you're going for here, but uh, yeah, I think what you've created is a, I think this is a creative way to never, to rarely get a really good five man unit on the floor and just kind of spread it out. So you're having two okay, two okay, five person personnel's, or five-person lineups. Uh, it's it's not for me, but I I like I praise the ingenuity, Jesse. And the last one is the super fast athletic lineup: Dame, Simon, Derek Jones Jr., Hood, and Rocco slash Giles. Again, I'm not sure Hood. I'm not sure you can put Hood in the super fast lineup. So let's call it Dame, C.J., Ant, Derek Jones, Rocco. Go super small. That way you can run. You've got three ball handlers because Simons has shown that he can handle the ball recently. He's been much better at it, and Dame has, Dame has been to his credit. Dame has been really, really willing to let Ant initiate some offense, and has even said, has even just told him, you know, made his own call. Go ahead and initiate. I've I've loved to see that. There was a play in the New Orleans game where uh, Ant kind of looked at Dame like, "What should I do?" And and Dame said, "Go ahead and run the pick and roll," and Dame. Uh, did what I'll call a roll replace where after Cantor set the screen and rolled to the rim and, and Ant took a couple dribbles towards the rim, Dame rotated up from the corner and, and filled in. He replaced the space that was vacated by the pick and roll action. So that, that sort of pocket that's created by that action and guys move towards the rim and move away from the action... That's the that is the space that's going to open up. It's sort of um just a natural basketball principle for the lowest levels that works at the highest levels. And Dame is roll re- role replaced. He got the he got the ball at a quick pass from Ant. Defense panics because there's Dame squaring his shoulders, um, looking at a really clean three. Two guys went to the ball. Dame went back to Simon. Simons hit a three. It was just a sort of beautiful, subtle thing from Dame. So yeah, I I would love to see Dame, Ant, and CJ play together with three ball handlers. It'd be really um I'm all for it. Um, hell, why not Dame C.J. Aunt Gary and and Robert Covington? Why not? Why not get wild with it, Jesse? I don't. I think I didn't like any of these in the end. I think I um. You know what? I liked the first one. I liked the the going small. I didn't like your specific plan because I didn't like Rodney Hood. So. I didn't want to reject them all. I think you're on to something is that, um, the Blazers have enough players when healthy to mix and match in creative ways. And that hopefully, hopefully, uh, Terry, who is a guy who coaches so much on feel and trust. And if he doesn't trust you, your ass doesn't play. And if he doesn't have a good feel for sort of what you're going to do, your ass doesn't play either. I'm hoping that he's developed a feel and a trust for more players in the rotation to be able to comfortably mix and match. Because I think that's the Blazers' um, path to success, is having a bunch of different looks. And when CJ and Nurk get back, hopefully Terry has learned some things about this group that allow him to mix and match with comfort. All right, Jesse, you dominated that second segment. Let's come back in the third segment and close out the special delivery mailbag episode with more of your questions. But before we do that, I want to tell y'all about Bet Online. You know Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It's NBA games every night, college basketball's heading into its postseason, and the NHL's in full swing. You don't want to bet on sports? Well, Bet Online's got awards, award shows, TV shows, reality TV. It's real-time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine. Betonline.ag has you covered. All the news, scores, and odds you could possibly want. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head over to their website betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and sign up today with that promo code and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag. Visit it on your mobile device, visit it on your computer, put in that promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Today's show is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years, and you can go to RockAuto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you need, from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, even new carpet, you name it, they got it. And whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks and all of it will be delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You'll be able to quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you'll be able to choose the brands, the specifications, the prices that you prefer. And the prices, y'all, that's the best part because at rockauto.com, They're always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals as they are for do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't have to do that. Instead, you can just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write "Locked On" in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers, a special delivery mailbag episode, answering your questions all episode long. Let's close out the show with more of your questions. This next one comes from Blue. That's B-L-U, and if you see the E, drop it. Blue asks... I've been thinking about Gary Trent Jr.'s overall value moving forward, especially with his awesome play as of late. I'm curious if you could sign either Gary Trent Jr. or Andrew Wiggins to a four-year contract. Who would you choose? In this hypothetical, money is of no concern. Personally, I don't think either would be worth the $31 million Wiggins is getting next year. For this, I'm thinking strictly about basketball production. Gary Trent Jr. 10 times out of 10. 12 times out of 10. Gary Trent Jr. is already better at basketball than Andrew Wiggins, and uh, his graphs go in the right direction. No hesitation, Gary Trent Jr. every single time. Next question comes from Scozers, who asks, John Collins and Cam Reddish for CJ, you pulling the trigger? I mean, I am, but here's the problem. That trade does not work in... The, within the parameters of league rules to make a trade like that works Gozers, you'd have to include someone like Danilo Gallinari and then why are the Hawks trading the guy that they signed to sort of take John Collins's place along with John Collins for another guard you yeah. so I, I kind of I see where you're going with this, and I like the idea. Uh, I think John Collins is pretty good. I think an athletic rim rolling big would be a really nice addition to the Blazers. I think he's more of a 5 than a 4. So I uh, I probably want to send out somebody like Ennis Cantor, and it's hard for me to see the Blazers go, getting off Cantor right now. Um, Cam Reddish you know, went to the wrong college, but he's a really, really good defensive player. Um, he's a valuable wing. Uh, he, would, he would help. Uh, I worry... And we'll talk about this later in the segment. I worry that what CJ McCollum brings with individual offense is hard to replace when the games get important. And that while the Blazers might have really intriguing role players in the regular season, you need someone who can just go score on their own like CJ if you want to win a championship and as you trade him and get more sort of complementary non-dribblers, non-creators, like just not having enough dudes who can create their own offense will be a problem for the Blazers. I like the direction of this. Um Collins can shoot threes, he can roll the rim, he's a really good athlete. He's been a better defensive player this year. Cam Reddish is a really good defensive wing. Um Great idea. Trade literally doesn't is isn't legal to to complete and um and I would I'm still even if it was I'm a little hesitant, but I I goes there as a thing you're heading in the right direction. Next question comes from Steven who asks Assuming the line of thinking that the Blazers pull a Toronto and make a coaching change in the offseason, who is the Kawhi type acquisition? Whether it's via trade or free agency, who can they realistically add that would have a significant impact? So here's the thing it's hard to make that deal. Like it's hard to, first of all, the quai was unique. These like superstar types don't come available that easy. I guess everyone is now eyeing Brad Beal. Um, Brad Beal, I think, is better than CJ McCollum, but I'm not sure he's this like dramatic change. Also, Stephen, this question is a little bit old. Uh, the Blazers have won a lot of games in a row, and I think the sort of um, Stotts needs to get fired chorus that was last Monday's show um, has has really really changed in ten days. Um, not no fault of your own. I just um, just for context for those of you those of you hearing this question don't know exactly when Stephen sent this my way. So. You know, I, I, the Blazers cannot sign a Kawhi in free agency. They're not going to have the money to do it. Um, it's really... They don't have the parts to trade for a star that isn't in a, in a situation where they really want out. Um, Toronto... Toronto... St- struck and didn't made the right move. And I think CJ is sort of a DeRozan type where he's just like a really good, but never great type of player. Um, CJ was obviously playing at a level a really, really high level before he got hurt. And if he gets back to that, then it changes the calculations. Uh, I don't think the Blazers have the ammo to, to make a Kawhi type trade, to make a trade for an all NBA type player. I just do not think they have the parts to do it. And that is one of the if you think that's what they need to get to the next level, and I think that's a fair thing to think. It might even be the thing I think also. I think I'm, I'm very close to that. I just don't know that they have the sort of combination of draft picks and good players, good, you know, borderline all-star young players on the right type of contracts, et cetera, et cetera, to get that done. Next question comes from Cannon, who asks, What do you think about getting DeMar DeRozan hello to Portland? He is on he's on the Blazers' so-called timeline for Dame. I don't believe in that shit, but go on. His shot creation and defense seem to be what the Blazers should be looking for Would something like Derrick Jones, Rodney Hood, Nurk, and Simons or Trent, that's about 33 million and pick compensation for De- for DeMar and Trey Lyles work. Another combo could be Nurk, Derrick Jones, Rodney Hood, Simons/Trent and Giles and pick compensation. For Demar and Jakob Portal, so I I would lean more towards the second deal than the first because I think Portal is a really, really valuable player. I'm not a big Trey Lyles guy. Um, I worry that uh, giving up the Nurk, Derek Jones, and let's just say it's Anthony Simons because Gary Trent's better, right? But maybe the the Spurs demand Gary Trent. Let's say they that it's Nurk, Derek Jones, and Gary Trent. I I worry that Demar Derozan, while he would be really valuable, would give up um, some of the Blazers' defensive versatility and then and and a little bit of their sh- of their three point shooting since he's such a two point taker. He's been awesome for the Spurs. Like he's he's really having a great year. Um, he's a borderline All Star for them this year. He's he's become a a really good playmaker. Like he's he really can he really really is a good creator both his own his own offense and offense for others in a way that he wasn't in Toronto like DeMar's balling but i worry a little bit that if it's the defensive versatility you lose with Derrick Jones Jr. and uh and Gary Trent Jr. you're kind of trading one problem for another um not that the blazers are like a good defensive team right now but you if you, if you get rid of all of their plus defenders in favor of 31 year old DeMar, um, I'm not sure you move the needle enough to be a championship team. So, uh, to me, man, to me that, uh, to me, I'm not quite there, but, um, but I really like DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he's, he's fun and he's, um, he would be a valuable asset. But I, I think these trades are, I think they're really realistic cannon. I think you've nailed sort of the like asking price for someone like DeMar DeRozan. But uh, to me, it sacrifices a little too much of the Blazers magic without getting them to championship level. Cannon asks a follow up. One more question. When will we get a stat for Derek Jones jr's missed dunks? Dude, dude is the worst great dunker I've ever seen. Here's a stat. Derrick Jones Jr. is 22 of 30 on dunks this season. My man has missed 8 dunks. He's only shooting 73% on dunks. 73% on dunks. He very, very, very earnestly is the worst great dunker I've ever seen. <laughs> he just, he has a lot of spectacular misses. Okay, next question, the final question of the show comes from Scott at Scott PTB30 on Twitter, who asks I've always kind of watched the Blazers' regular season through the prism of how does the success, failure of a strategy or player translate to the playoffs? You've talked about the playoffs being a quote, different sport, and that seems to be even more apparent in the later rounds. CJ stands out as a player who has a skill set that is more valuable in the playoffs offensively. He has counters on top of counters, and he's been able to go get buckets from all three levels to close big playoff games. He's hard to scheme for. I'm wondering if there are any players or themes from the Blazers' regular season that gives you hope or hesitation, that's capital H's on those, I love that, in regards to the playoffs... And specifically in regards to the Blazers' ability or inability to realize their best case scenario, which is getting past one of the LA teams, or the LA teams, both of them, I guess. Um, So I think, and I touched on this a little bit earlier in the show, and I think the biggest theme for me that sort of bodes well for the Blazers' playoff future is the ability to go small, the willingness of their coach to do it, and their ability to have some success with it. Because in the playoffs, increasingly, if you do not have a dominant offensive center a la Nikola Jokic you know, an MVP type of offensive force. Uh, Nurk is an interesting offensive piece, but he's not a a dominant offensive player by any means. His strength is on the other end of the court. But if you do not have a dominant offensive center, they get played off the floor. You can't play JaVale McGee in the finals. That's why he didn't play. You can't really play Dwight Howard in the playoffs unless he's matched up against Nikola Jokic and he comes off the bench to do it. You can't play Montrez Harrell in the playoffs. Dude gets punked. It's hard to play big centers because everyone goes smaller and you just, you scheme for the size. And every, because teams scheme, they say every single time we're going to make this dude guard in space. It's not the same in the regular season because there aren't such specific scouting not such like matchup specific scouting reports matchup specific game plans where you take advantage of weaknesses in the same way certainly teams do specific things against specific opponents in the regular season but it gets magnified in the playoffs to you know a thousand times more so i think the biggest theme for me of the blazers sort of current run is that they a willingness to go small a willingness to play robert covington and derrick jones jr at the four and the five a willingness to play a, a a front line or a or a group that's, you know, mellow Derek Jones and Rocco alongside a couple combination of guards. Uh, and to have that combination freely switch. I mean, that is the, the as much as it's kind of gets a little bit annoying and, and um, homogenous in the playoffs, it's... It, it's what you have to do the way the league against the league's best scores. You've got to switch and keep the ball in front of you. You just have to do it against at the highest level. And if you can't switch or if teams target switches to get bad defenders on there or slow, big, slow, um, big, slow guys, big, big seven footers who, who aren't as fleet of foot, they're going to get taken advantage of, and I think the Blazers' willingness to go small in a way that they have not in the past, and the personnel to go small in a way they have not in the past with Rocco and Derek Jones Jr. really bodes well for them. You know, they're not an elite defensive team. I don't think they're going to get there, but the ability to have that defensive wrinkle and to have already shown it, and to not have to say, "Hey, maybe they'll crack the," you know, maybe they'll crack the seal on this one, break the glass on this one, and give it a shot. They've already done it. We've seen it. We see it every night now. Um, even when, Gary, when Harry Giles was healthy, there were second halves where Harry didn't play because Stotts was more comfortable going small. And I think this is a big a big step in the right direction. Uh, the the willingness to do this and to close games without Ennis Kanter on the floor and to trust those rangy wings to be rangy wings and to and to cover the backside is is incredibly valuable for for the late rounds of the playoffs because that is the exact type of game you have to play um i have some other concerns my hesitation are that um, teams aren't going to guard derrick jones jr at all in the playoffs and it's going to make him hard to play he didn't really play for the miami heat i think in the playoffs i think in part because he wasn't going to be guarded and they needed better offensive players to make their magic work. I worry about that a little bit, but in general, I trust Dame, trust CJ, and I trust a new look defense and a willingness from a coach to give that new look more run. Got a really fun show for you tomorrow. Ian Carmel, Portland native writer for CBS's the late, late show host of all fantasy, everything hilarious dude and, and massive blazer fan. Uh, I think super fan has some other connotations, but if a, a fan of the highest order is joining me on the podcast, that one's going to be in your feed on Fridays. Make sure to check that one out. And next week will be just like this week. Multiple mailbags. Mailbag Monday recorded on Monday, posting on Tuesday, and then a special delivery edition later in the week. So if you enjoyed this mailbag show and you want to get your question in, tweet at me at Mike G. Rich, send me an email locked on blazers at gmail.com do me a favor. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.